Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Doing well? Made it through the snow, which is good. I'm always uh, aware, and there's actually probably some people tuning in online right now. And uh, I don't want to make you feel bad. But we live in Heidelberg, and we passed a couple of buggies driving in the snow on the way to church today. And so for however much safety you were worried about today, they are clearly just on their way to church, because that's what you do on Sundays. And so for everybody in the room, good job making it to church, because that's what you do on Sundays. Anyway, if you're cozied up at home, at least uh, have a coffee for me, and uh, enjoy your warm living room uh, while the faithful gather in the room. Okay. Uh, just kidding. It's like very, I want you to know it was okay to stay at home. It's like, uh, don't need anybody getting into a traffic accident uh, next time. I know my, my grandma, Grandma V is at home, so sorry, Grandma. All right, is everybody doing okay this morning? Doing well, doing well. Um, today we are in the midst of our Advent series, and I love that we're referring to it as our Advent series, as if we created Advent. Um, it's just so funny when churches that are new or young uh, start doing things like Advent or this year we're going to um, observe some form of Lent. And I'm also aware that there are a number of people that have left Catholic churches and are like, don't worry, it's not going to be overly traditional or anything like that. And not that it, there's a problem that it is, but I always find it kind of humorous when churches like ours do Advent and we almost present it like this new thing. And it's like, well, this has been happening for for like literally 2,000 years, and we're just like getting with the program. It took us five years as a church to realize maybe Advent's important. And the whole season of Advent is to essentially, and, and we have to understand when we're following church calendar type things, is they, they actually bring us into a greater awareness of, of the seasons uh, that we go through as humans, but also to recognize the seasons that God's people have actually been through themselves. So the whole season of Advent is a season of longing for the coming of Christ, mimicking that season of the intertestamental period, which is the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament where there were no written words of God. We have no reason to believe that God wasn't still speaking, but there was no written words of God, and the people of God were looking for direction, longing for a Savior, longing for a Messiah. And so we take not 400 years, but four weeks to observe that Jesus has come, and that he's come as a baby, and that the joy has come into the world. And we try to experience a bit of that longing in ourselves to remind us of why it's so good that Jesus is to come. And if you wonder and you think, well, you know, it's not, it's not necessary to experience longing and, and to put ourselves in that kind of framework of mind, and uh, you might think, like, it's just a waste of our time to try, to try to conjure up that feeling in order to recognize the importance of Christ. Look no further than our culture around us, or even forget culture, just look at the history of the church in the West. And you, you need no reason to um, argue with the fact that we actually, we need to take some time to remind ourselves of why we need Jesus. 
There's a reason why people are leaving the church. There's a reason why churches, not all churches, but some churches and denominations are on decline. There's a reason why there are more um, pastors headed out of ministry than heading into ministry. There's a reason why there are more churches closing in Canada than are starting. And it's because we have failed to recognize our need for a Savior. And so to take some time and to say, hey, Christmas isn't just about like joy and opening presents and it's not just about snow falling outside while we watch a horse and buggy and being like, we live in a snow globe and all of these types of things. It's actually about understanding that Jesus came in our great need and in our plenty and in our prosperity and in the things that we have in the West that often eclipse our, our desire and, our, and, and the, the, the need in our hearts for a Savior, we take some time to say, you know what, none of that is satisfying our deepest longings, and we need Jesus. And that's why he came, because we need him. And so today, we follow in uh, the Advent tradition. Today, we're going to be talking through the um, theme of joy. We're going to turn um, to, and Nate, is, is this, uh, is Mary's song like the traditional reading for the, the it is, okay. Well, Nate's our like resident uh, theological historian, and uh, he'd be like, I, I did a Google search. Um, but <laughs> I was assigned the passage of Mary's song today, and uh, I want to give you a bit of context in case you don't know what Mary's song is. You might not even know the name of Jesus, Mother, and uh, I, I hope that many of you do, that you're reading your, your um, scripture, but I also want to um, be cognizant that there might be friends in the room and, and just um, unfamiliar with scripture. And so we have Mary, who is Jesus' mother. Uh, she's a virgin, and she's actually giving birth to Jesus. You might wonder how this, how this came to be. And, uh, you know, it's funny because in our day and age today, um, we will argue with the fact that a woman can get pregnant who's a virgin, but then we will, like, read up on studies about people creating babies in Petri dishes. And we're just like, ha, like, totally possible now, but not possible by the creator of the universe. And what we see is that Jesus is born into this family. And Mary and Joseph were pledged to be married. They had no union. Joseph, went, upon hearing that Mary was pregnant, is kind of looking at this uh, woman he's engaged to. And is like, yeah, right, you're, like, pregnant without like sleeping with somebody. He had a hard time thinking about this. I think jo- Joseph may have been a little bit comforted living today, knowing that you can create a baby in a Petri dish, because you might be just, oh, maybe, maybe for real it was possible. And so all of this is going on, and, and Joseph is given a dream, and Mary is given a dream, and there's all this kind of longing even happening in their hearts for what their lives might look like, and the fact that their lives were some, somewhat like co-opted by God, and, and now they've been set on a new trajectory, and they're, they're responsible for the Savior of the universe, and all of this stuff is happening around them. And Mary takes a trip to um, go visit a relative. Her name is Elizabeth. And her relative Elizabeth is pregnant in her old age, another miracle with a uh, boy who would be called John, and we would come to know him as John the Baptizer. And uh, John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. And as Mary walks into Elizabeth's home, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And before I even get, it, get to reading our passage, uh, the, the potency of our God being in a room should alarm us if we are not sensing his presence when we enter a room like this. Just think, Jesus in baby form was enough to walk into a room and fill not only his cousin, who's in his aunt's womb with the presence of God, but to, to actually fill his aunt with the presence of God. 
See, for those of us that have just woken up on the wrong side of the bed or got a little bit crusty because we had to shovel this morning, or we're coming in and we're looking to be fed more than actually pour out our praise upon a worthy Savior, we might walk into a room like this and wonder, like, God, where are you? And all we have to do is recognize that Jesus is in the room and things will shift inside of us. His Holy Spirit will come up in, 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 in inside of us and compel us to, to live the types of lives and to experience the type of life that God has created us for. And so as Jesus comes into the room, are you with me this morning? The 9 a.m. is the most boring service in our entire church. I will say this. And you guys have been with us for a long time, so I can say this. Stop being so, like, so like stoic. You're in, you're in church. What, hap- what happened to us when we moved from Maxwell's last week to here, and all of us are like, it's time to put on our serious face because we're adults. And the 1015 comes and they bring their non-Christian friends. We're going to see some of them get baptized today. Now, not non-Christian friends, but Christian. And in the 7 p.m., people are bringing people far from Jesus every single week. And the 9 a.m., people show up and they're like, I just do church because that's what I'm supposed to do. And what I want to say is let's shed that because we're not going to become that kind of church that comes in and just like, just does church. This is boring. If we'd all just sit here and we're like, oh, presence of God, you heard that before. We are in the season of Advent where Jesus comes in the world and he changes our lives. And we're all just sitting here like, heard this before. No, 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 no. Not in the 9 a.m. 9 a.m., start inviting your friends who don't know Jesus. If you don't have friends that don't know Jesus, have a social life and go make friends that don't know Jesus. Oh. Sometimes it's, oh, my gosh, what is happening to the pastor? Somebody is a guest here today, and they're like, what is wrong with you? I just like, I, when you go to, to plant a church, you're not the type of person that's just okay arriving at church and just being okay with people just like putting their, their faith on cruise control. Like that's just, you're just not, you guys joined a church where the pastor is not okay with Christian cruise control. And so every once in a while I just have these like outbursts. It's like a, call it a prophetic outburst if you're super Christian and then we'll get on with it, okay? All right. Does that sound Okay. Okay. So, Mary comes into Elizabeth's place. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And out of the awe and the wonder of what's happening, one of the things that I love about the Christmas story is there's all these things happening um, in Mary's life. And do you remember this passage or this this, um, piece of scripture where it says, and Mary stored all of these things in her heart? Like, be that type of person that is constantly walking through life. And maybe you're not understanding what's happening, but you are storing the things of God in your heart. Because what happens is that later on in life, they start to make sense. Like Jesus, while excruciatingly is hanging on a cross and his mother is is forced to watch him as he's crucified, is still, out of the storing up of what was in her heart, all of a sudden, everything made sense. And we're gonna get to a place where we learn this morning that sometimes joy is birthed out of suffering. But here, another thing that Mary begins to store in her heart is the joy of the experience of Jesus coming into the world. And she begins to sing a song. She says this, and I am not going to try to sing it to us this morning. Maybe Chike, you could come up and try to sing this. (laughs) He's like, what? Um, She says this, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, 
All generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Set apart is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. To Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Why don't we pray as we begin to break down this theme of joy. Jesus, we rejoice in the fact that you are in this place. Lord, we need you. And God, we um, not only show up here um, uh, just out of duty, but God, we show up here this morning out of a deep uh, sense of your presence and a deep sense that, that you are worthy of our praise, that God, you are worthy of everything that um, that of, 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 our, of all of our energy and everything that we could give. God, you are worthy of it all. And so, God, here today as we worship you, and now we come to hear from your word, God, may you speak to us, and may this not just be more um, intellectual fodder, but may, God, this be something that transforms our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, I will give it to you, 9 a.m., that this is the one service when I say, and everybody said, everybody knows what to say. <laughs> Not saying that's a good thing. Um, there should be a few people here that don't know what to say. <laughs> Joy. I remember being in, it was approximately, well, it would have been middle school. And I had a hockey tournament. And it was in Niagara Falls. So it's the middle of the winter or at least on one of these fringe seasons where uh, the, the air is just getting cold and the temperature is below zero. So puddles are freezing and and things are, are getting a little bit icy. And I remember the hockey tournament being placed in Niagara Falls. And being from the other side of uh, Ontario, it was always exciting to go to Niagara Falls and walk up Clifton Hill and goof off with your friends and have them convince you to go through like a terror, a house of terror or something like that. And I remember going and playing in this hockey tournament. And one of the things my parents wanted to show us was Niagara Falls. I'm not sure if we had ever been there up until this point. I'd heard lots of stories. I'd heard stories of my dad going down Clifton Hill on rollerblades and almost toppling into the river on the other side. And all of these different things, like filling my imagination. And so we got to Niagara Falls, and we went right to the point where the falls are, the water's cresting the cliff where the falls are falling uh, down below. And we're there, and my father is showing me and, and all, of our uh, all of us kids um, all of the power of Niagara Falls. And I remember my mom sitting in the van because it was way too cold, and it was the type of weather where the fall mist was, like, falling up in the sky, but then it was crystallizing and coming down like powder. And so my mom was probably smart and just, like, waited in the van, um, but not smart because to trust my dad around such a dangerous environment is not uh, usually something that she would do. And I remember him uh, showing us. We're leaning over the edge, and we're leaning over the railway of these falls, and me and my brother, and we're just like, whoa, and everything's roaring, and nobody else is there because nobody wants to be at the falls with this type of weather. And so my dad is there, and he picks up my sister, and she, he puts her on the ledge, and he's holding her, and we're just watching this. And right below us, it's just crashing, and we're like, this is amazing. And he's like, yeah, it's just so powerful. Isn't God so good? And we begin to walk away, and he sets my sister down, and we begin to walk away, and 
without any of us knowing, my sister goes back up and thinks it's okay for her to stand on the icy edge of the, of, of, uh, the railing uh, looking over the falls. And so we're all just kind of like moseying along, walking away, like so excited to play hockey. And I look back, and I remember my sister just standing over the falls like this with a tiny little rail right at her feet as the falls are falling beneath her. And she's just standing there, and I look back, and I'm looking at my dad, and I can't say anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I've, I've recounted this as one of the scariest moments of my entire life, still is, but I've told the story so many times that I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I remember her standing there and me just being like, And my dad's just like kind of walking away, just like, yeah, it's so amazing how good, how good God is. And, and I'm just standing there petrified of what's happening. She is just out of reach of me. I don't want to rush her because I know she's going to panic and get a little bit scared and fall over. I don't want to yell at her. Any type of move in the wrong direction is going to cause her feet to slip, and that is probably the end of my sister. Unless she's in a barrel with a couple of cats, then I think she might live. But that's not her situation. <laughs> And I just remember this feeling of it, of, of her being just, just out of reach. And it's the same feeling, you know, I was listening to this podcast and I, I listened to it and then I was listening to it a little bit more in preparation for this message and it's called The Happiness Lab. It's a Yale professor who essentially put her entire happiness course online. And uh, she starts off in the first episode and she's essentially lecturing over a podcast mic about the effect of happiness on our lives and the, essentially the way to find happiness um, biologically. And she starts off the entire thing about describing the type of life she's lived up until this point and always feeling like happiness is just beyond her reach, just beyond her grasp, just beyond the, the, the place that she can, just beyond the place that she's able to move and grab it for herself. And as she's describing this kind of feeling, I, I, kind of, I kind of get that sense in my own spirit, my own mind, that this is exactly how we tend to live our lives a majority of the time. In fact, maybe not just for us, but we look around at neighbors and friends and family and we watch them. And there's this grasping for happiness that just seems to elude us. It's like sand through our hands. We can't quite grasp it, but, but, but it's there and it's there for a moment, but it's gone in the next. And really, when we talk about happiness, we talk about joy, or we talk about like just feeling better about ourselves, we talk about success. Um, somebody this past week uh, referred to success as effectiveness, which I kind of like. That's like the Christian version of success. And all of this idea of joy and happiness, um, one thing becomes very clear is that we're doing a bad job as humans staying and remaining happy. Like Christmas brings on like this, this sense that this year, this year I'm, is going to be the year. Uh, maybe that means like this year is going to be the year when it comes to maybe like Christmas itself. Or maybe it just means like, hey, like this year, looking backwards, isn't what I expected. But next year, it's going to be the year. Like I've got, I've got some real intention in my soul. I've, I've got some new purposes I'm going to shed the weight after some Christmas treats because nobody's going to do that themselves before we have Christmas. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to see something on the other side. I'm going to get my relationship with, with God right. I'm going to mend some of those broke. Next year, that, this is going to be the year. But along the idea of like this might be my year is, on the other hand, we have this, this sinking feeling inside of us that maybe the kind of life that we're hoping for is just not possible on this side of eternity. 
Because we know what it's like to experience a brief moment of happiness and then find ourselves in the next moment wondering, what was that all for? I remember purchasing things like a new phone or I remember purchasing a new house or getting something like a, a, new, a new relationship with somebody that had been wanting a relationship with for quite some time. And all of a sudden you're friends with them. And, and all of a sudden, like all of these things have a return that is less than what we had hoped or expected for. We find ourselves in this place reaching for happiness, but never quite grasping the thing that we want. You know, the hedonistic lifestyle is something that we often associate with adult resorts and things like that. But hedonism in its most basic form, I want to remind you, is just a pursuit of pleasure. Happiness in many ways is associated with pleasure, and, and hedonism as a lifestyle is not just doing things with whoever you want and, and just having no repercussions and kind of just going about your life. That, that's an extreme form of hedonism. But in its very seed form, hedonism is essentially asking ourselves around every corner, what do I feel like doing right now? So we leave church, and the very first thought that comes in, what do I feel like doing? I've got all of a sudden, what do I feel like doing? Well, I feel like getting a coffee, and you go get a coffee. And after you get your coffee, you go, what do I feel like doing? And you go, well, I'm kind of tired, and so maybe we'll go home, and I'll take a nap. And you take your nap, and you wake up, and you go, what do I feel like doing? And you go, well, I, you know, I'm kind of hungry, and the in-laws are inviting us over for dinner, so I feel like going there. And then you're at your in-laws, and you go, what do I feel like doing? Well, I don't really feel like getting into church early tonight, and so actually maybe I'll just stay here a little bit longer. And then finally, you finally get out the door. And you go, what do I feel like doing? And so many of us are on this hedonic treadmill of what do I feel like doing in a pursuit of happiness that continues to elude us and is continually beyond the reach of our grasp. And unfortunately, as much as we want to think we are rational human beings, most of us, if we were to take a deep look at how we are living our lives, especially through a Christmas season that peaks our, 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 our dopamine and serotonin levels and all of these different things, if we were to take a look at what's actually going on, is we're just looking for a, a feeling that will carry us through some of the things that we're walking through. In, in many ways, most of us are waiting for us to feel right before we take right action. And, of course, we understand that it's only by taking right action that we get the feelings that we're looking for. See, when Mary talks about joy, I sometimes wonder what her response would have been or what humanity's response or maybe her social circles or maybe the people she worked with or the people that would come alongside. If Mary existed today and she found out she was pregnant with an unwanted pregnancy, I sometimes wonder what it would have done in our day and age today. We are, we are such a feeling society that, that we, 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 we might see friends encouraging, well, you don't, I mean, that, that wasn't part of your life plan. Like, Mary, you don't need to carry this. To, to. You, just, what, you begin to wonder what Mary's life would have looked like in the year 2022. And more than that, because she wasn't from the year 2022, when I see this, I go, even without that kind of context, we might look at the life of Mary and ask some big questions and go, how do you respond with this much joy in the midst of your life being completely turned on its head? Because that is the type of joy that I want to experience in my own life. See, this past week, I spent some time with an 80-year-old man, or he was in his 80s, and he lived a very full life. And... He had told me a bunch of stories. He had actually lost his wife uh, quite recently. And he was telling me stories in his life and just over and over again, these kind of deeply, like, traumatic experiences followed by a story of a deeply, like, uh, emotional and, and um, even, even, like, 
a, a victory type moment in his life. And he's going on and on and on and on about these stories in his life. And there's significant highs, but there's also like deep lows in his story. And as he's recounting all of these stories over a period of two hours that I spent with him, I turned to him at the end of our conversation. And I said, listen, I don't want to be a person that merely flatters other, other people. I, I don't think that goes anywhere. But as you're telling me all these stories, I can't help but, but, but think and, and, I, and when I look at you, I just have this overwhelming sense that, that you're a man who has smiled a lot throughout his life. The reason I said this is the creases on his faith, face almost give this impression that he's walking around smiling at the world around him. And his response was something to the effect of, well, when you walk a life with God, there is so much to be thankful for. See, the life that we're all looking for is not just a fleeting moment as we get what we want this Christmas or we get a certain feel when somebody comes over to our place or, you know, this past Friday we had our staff Christmas and I said to Emma afterwards, like, that was such a, a tank-filling moment for, uh, for me as an individual. But, but here's the thing. That's not what we should be, like, like focusing on in the season of Advent is just getting these feelings. Listen, feel them experience them. Experience the joy of Christ in your life that he means for, for you to experience in your life. All of that is good stuff. But don't hang your life in the balance of how you feel coming at the end of 2022, going into the year of 2023. Don't hang your life in the balance of how you're feeling moment to moment or how much you feel you can string together a series of moments or things that bring you happiness. Hang your hat on the joy that God can give you in the experience of walking with him as your savior. See, the, the song of Mary is much deeper than just Mary being filled with joy in a specific moment that she finds herself in. No, Mary's joy is something much deeper and much greater than this. It sometimes helps to take a look at the differences between happiness and joy. And I just did like a quick Google search. So this is like maybe nothing uh, that's going to like, uh, you know, blow your mind or like this is just like you could literally go difference between happiness and joy. And uh, what you'll get is a bunch of uh, responds, uh, responses to the effect of, like, there's no difference, or here are the differences. And you can see this list. But the difference between happiness and joy is often the difference between wanting to experience a feeling for ourselves versus um, experiencing that thing with the, with the sense of others in mind. It's the difference between achieving something externally, happiness being this thing that we're constantly looking for out there, and, and an experience that we actually feel inside of us. It's the difference between a momentary sense that, that something good is happening or we enjoy what's happening in the current moment and the experience of contentment that sits with us no matter what the situation we find ourselves in. It's the difference between a fleeting fleeting moment or a fleeting thought and a consistent sense that, that I'm walking maybe in the, in the purposes of God or in the joy of God or, or in the things of God even right now. It's the difference between a feeling and a state of mind. It's it's, it's a difference between essentially the human uh, chase for something and the God-given state of something. You see, happiness is something that, that will elude us as long as we take that thing in our own hands. But joy is another thing altogether. Joy can often be born within suffering. And this is why when I look upon an 80-year-old man that looks like he's been smiling through his whole life in the midst of losing people and bad situations and his wife getting polio and all of these different things, he can sit there with a sense of joy on his face because it's not rooted in the things that are temporary. It's rooted in, a, in an eternal awareness that God is up to something bigger than just our current moment here on earth. 
hey, there might be hope for the 9 a.m. yet. <laughs> Listen, if I offended somebody early, I apologize. Uh, not, I don't apologize that much, but uh, I hope that you can hear what God is uh, desiring for us. Is not just a life where we pursue joy or pursue happiness after pleasure, after another moment, but, but actually to rest within the joy that he has for us. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17, it kind of highlights this whole narrative that we've been talking about. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And, and when we read scripture, I want to encourage you with this. Um, yeah, I have time to go down this rabbit trail. Um, so I, I've started it, ah, I didn't want to say this out loud, but I'm like this open book that sometimes says things and you're wondering, what were you about to say? Okay, um, every once in a while I do these things called the 100 day challenge. If you've been like in my life for any period of time, you know that I'm just always like starting a new 100 day challenge. And it's a 100 day challenge of just doing the same thing every day. And usually I choose one thing and I just like bake that thing into my life. And it's usually to pick up some area of my life that needs growth and whatnot. So this 100 days, and you can join me because I'm on day two. And that's why I'm like, oh, why did this come out of my life, my mouth prematurely? Um, But I'm focusing on three different things during this uh, 100 day challenge. And it's going to the gym every day, uh, reading my Bible in a year plan every day, and planning my next day the night before every single day. These are the three things I'm doing for 100 days. You can join me. It ends on March 20th. And the reason I say this is day one was yesterday. I had gone to the gym for like a half hour. I was like, I just got to get it done. Um, I had planned the next day, and I'm like, oh, I haven't read the Bible today. And I know you're like, pastor, end of your day, really? Um, yeah, and, and it was like 11.30. I was like about to close my eyes. I'm like, I didn't read my Bible today. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And I remember, I, I, I remember as if it's like 10 years ago, I remember the moment when I realized after I read my Bible that I just read it to like check it off my, my Bible app just to be able to press the button, just be able to press next and get the check mark. And I sat there as I filled out my 100-day journal, which I've created for myself, and I'm reflecting on each of the moments. And I realized like too much of my life is trying to just check the boxes with God. Too much of my life is reading scripture and just being like, I did it. And this is the thing that you miss when you just did scripture. You just, you just marked it off. Is you, you really miss out on the transformative work that, that God wants his, his word to do on the inside of you. See, the Bible is described as a, as a, as a living word, as a, as a living gospel. It's the, the, the word of God is active and it's alive. This is the way that the Bible describes itself. But if it feels dead to you, I want to just suggest that maybe it's because you're flying through it and not just taking moments to digest what's actually happening. And one of these moments, we could read Romans chapter 14, 17, and just go, yeah, okay, makes sense. Great encouragement for joy. But if we look at it a little bit deeper, we see something more just stirring inside of us. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, if you had one emotion that you could experience in this room right now, would you choose the emotion of, uh, of, of, of a great 
let's take Friday night, our staff dinner, a great turkey dinner, that, that feeling around the table and, and the cranberry sauce. Anybody like cranberry sauce? We almost forgot it, and we had to go out and get, grab it and put it on there. Would you take that like feeling of, of, the, of, of great friends and family around the table and, and some good sparkling, sparkling drink because we're Christians and, and uh, you know, some, some nice stuffing that was stuffed into the bird? And I know my father-in-law was like, oh, okay, that's where he lost me. Um, would you take that feeling, or would you take the feeling right now in the moment of righteousness, <laughs> a stoic life, that I've already, like, somewhat brandished here today? <laughs> of course, like, like, when we read a passage like this, it's like, man, we, we can sense the feeling. Like, like I mean, you might even respond to me in that moment and be like, I don't even know what righteousness feels like. Okay, because that's kind of the point is we're so fickle with our emotions and our feelings that we will trade eating and drinking all day for life lived with righteousness and peace and joy because peace and joy and righteousness, they elude us, but eating and drinking, that temporal feeling is right there. We know what it's like. We know how it will make us feel, but our life of righteousness and peace and joy, that's a journey that we take over a long period of time. And what Romans chapter 14 is saying is the kingdom of God is not a matter of getting things when you want them and putting them to your taste buds and feeling them or feeling other sensations in your body. This is not what the kingdom of God is like. But the kingdom of God is of righteousness, right living, peace and joy. What? In the Holy Spirit. And that is the life that we all long for. But we must make temporal trades for eternal trades if we're going to experience that type of life within us. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Later on in Romans chapter 15, 13, a prayer from Paul to us is that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Of course, we understand that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. It fills us. It's it's something that's not fleeting. It's not something that's temporal. It's something that lasts into eternity because it's joy with God. Most of joy is actually coming to a, an awareness in a relationship with God that God is merely inviting us into something that he's been experiencing for all of eternity. Okay, I'm going to wrap up here soon, so if Keys wants to come up. <coughs> It's interesting when you reflect on these types of ideas and you start to be challenged by the idea that um, um, it's okay, guys. You don't have to go anywhere. It's always so funny when you're, when you're speaking. Sometimes it's easier to uh, ignore, like people just walk around. Other times it's like so, you're just so locked in. You're like, did, did what I just say cause that person to leave? And you're like, no, I know them. I could text them afterwards. And, like, all of you guys are probably thinking the same thing. Like, are they upset with that? Like, it does go, <laughs> it's not just, like, so easy to ignore it. Um, it's interesting, because this entire message, I read the Song of Mary at the start, and then, I mean, I referred to it, but I haven't, I've jumped to other passages in Scripture, but I haven't actually returned to the Song of Mary. And that's intentional. Because in order to be in the type of place to sing the type of song that Mary sings, you, you actually have to be in a place of experiencing God's joy. If all you're looking for is a feeling, you will miss out on the, on the beauty and the beautiful words that Mary actually spoke. Because Mary's not saying this out of a feeling of feeling so happy she's, she's birthing. No, no, and she probably was happy. I mean, savior of the world, that's amazing. 
But, but she's saying this out of her joy. She's, she's proclaiming to God out of her joy these things to, to her and, and to him. And the reason that I say this is because the depth at which Mary's song gets into, and I'm not going to like start up another half hour message right now. I don't have time for that. But the, the concepts that Mary is going through within her song, birthed out of a life of joy, I think is what we're all actually looking for. And she starts off her song and she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She sang this out of, a, out of a, a, an experience that was not what she chose and not maybe even what she had hoped for, but something she had been given by God. And she's turning back and saying, God, I rejoice in you. I glorify you. I, I, I worship you. I'm thankful for you. Thank you for where I find myself in life. And thank you for what you're up to in the world today. That is birthed out of an experience of joy and not just one that is fleeting happiness. She goes on to say, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. See, joy not only brings you a sense of peace throughout your life and contentment and a state of mind and a steadiness in your spirit, but it'll actually bring you a humility by which to walk with. Over and over again in her song, she refers to her own state of uh, the humble state of her servant, but she also refers to the humble state within humanity in which God is trying to seek to bring about the world that he has created. And in verse 51, she says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has uplifted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. Not those that are feeding themselves with pleasure and all these things, but those that are in want are experiencing the good things of God. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful. What a great encouragement to those of us that just don't feel it this season, that God can still be on the move amidst you, amongst you. But the thing that gets me about Mary's song and the most common theme all throughout her song is actually the theme of generations. And she says this, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name, set apart is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. In verse 55, she continues this theme, to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. You know what the greatest thing about finding joy within Christ and the eternal versus finding happiness and fleeting success in the temporal? Is that this thing, this way of living, this way of living within Christ is not just filled with temporal excitement and tem temporal successes, but it's actually filled with a life for those that will come after you. See, a life filled with joy, this man that I spent so much time with this past week, I look at his family and all of a sudden he can say, not only did I live a good life, but because of my surrendered life to God, now all of my, my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids are living incredible lives, not because I searched for happiness in my own life, but because I searched for God's righteous, righteousness. I searched for his peace. I longed for his joy. I traded the temporal for something that was longer lasting. I did the thing. I put my trust in Jesus, and Jesus brought me my joy. What I can tell you this, is that seeking God is not something you are going to feel like doing every single day. But the deepest longings in your soul, as Advent will remind us, will only be fulfilled by a consistent, surrendered life before Jesus, which not, might not result in pleasure, but it will result in a life of joy. Can we stand up in this place? 
And I just want to pray for you today. If maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and maybe you've just been living for yourself, maybe the warning to you today is, hey, there is a better life on the other side of your surrender. And if that's you today, we just bow our heads in this place and close our eyes. If you're here today and you're going, hey, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. I want, I, I want to surrender my life to him. What you're doing in this moment is you make a decision to accept that Jesus is able, was able to pay a price on a cross for your sin, but also is able to leave you, lead you in the way of a life that you could never live on your own. And if you want to take on this way of living, surrendering your life to Jesus, accepting what he did for you, the price he paid on the cross, you want to believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If that's you today, I'm not going to point anybody out, but if you're here today and you're going, hey, could you include me in a prayer this morning? That God would aid me on this journey with him. If that's you today, could you just raise a hand wherever you find yourself? Just going, hey, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. see anybody raising your hand and if you did forgive me for not praying in this next moment but I want to pray for another group of people here before we move on from our times today and if you're sitting here you've walked with God faithfully but you've been looking for pleasure or maybe you've just been walk you've been following the map of your life that just says I feel I feel I feel I feel and that's what's been guiding you but today you understand this call to re-surrender towards God that's you today and you're going, you know what? It's time to make sure that my days are not filled with what I feel like doing, but in, in actually, actually following God himself. If you're here today and that's just, that's just your desire and just feeling convicted that you just want to be included in a prayer here, if that's you, can you just raise a hand? Amen. And out of this prayer, we're just going to go into a quick song of worship here. Jesus, I just thank you so much for who you are and what you're up to. And God, all across this room, we're raising our hands not to just have a moment where we just blindly follow a pastor with a microphone. But no, God, in this moment, what we want is we want the living presence of God on the inside of us. God, may your Holy Spirit push out all of those tendencies within ourselves to grasp and, and try to reach and, and long for the things that, that are vanishing before us. But God, may you fill us with deep desires that are spurred on by your Holy Spirit's power. Jesus, may your Holy Spirit create a deeper sense of longing within us. God, may your Spirit bring a sense of joy that we could not find in, in, the, in the power of our credit card. But God, may you bring something about us that would last into eternity. God, may you bring a sense of, a state of mind and a sense within our spirit that would actually birth good things in generations that would follow us. God, this holiday season, as people um, join us and, and come into our homes and sit around our tables, God, I pray that what they would experience is not a not a, an expensive meal or a good dessert, but God, may they experience the joy that comes through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.